Why did that work for you? What is, <laughs> what is going on? That's All right. so unfair. Yeah, it came out of nowhere. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> we should start us off. Music too, right? Welcome to the Centennial High Points podcast, episode five. My name is Rocky Mountain Agoras. My name is November Whiskey. I'm Boogaloo Bitch. And I'm Redski. And I'm Duval. And we have a special guest with us today. Would you like to introduce yourself, sir? My name is Ryan, and I'm an agorist. Oh, it sounds just like his actual podcast. <laughs> sounded just like it. Oh, I love that's, it. It's awesome. That's how I know to introduce um, myself. You're welcome. <laughs> so we have a couple of stories for you guys today. Um, we're going to walk you through them real quick. So we have uh, an update on the state of Colorado's coronavirus lockdown. We have a, a little thing we want to start doing on this show, which is uh, more of an uplifting story every single week, um, just because we <laughs> want to get away from the doomer, the doomer focus that a lot of libertarian podcasts have. And then we'll get into the meat and potatoes of the episode with our interview with Ryan. So let's start off with um, coronavirus. Let's, so. let's start off with what's everyone drinking? You want to go oh, ahead yeah. and go? Oh, of course, of course. Rocky Mountain Gores. Um, I'm drinking nothing. Um, actually, right now, because I'm oh, a bad libertarian, I'm not drunk. Hot tub water. <laughs> <Honestly, laughs> I'm drinking hot tub water. On the Sabbath. I'm a Seventh Day Adventist as well. Um, so right. I don't. <laughs> I, November whiskey. Somebody else who is drinking. Whiskey. All right, I'm drinking Montucky cold snack again, and I got some Jameson as well. Jamo, Google a bitch. Yes. I am drinking Jameson as well, Castmate Stout Edition. It is. Oh, that's good shit. And I've just been drinking Corona all night, to be honest. Wants the virus. Yeah. It's the antidote, bro. Hell yeah. And uh, I'm drinking Rain Orange Dreamsicle mixed with, you know, vodka. <laughs> <laughs> Skull vodka. Something the good man. Stuff. The, the good The good shit. stuff. But, all right. I'm drinking coffee. <laughs> yes. You still have I some left after dumping it. Yeah, you still got it. <laughs> no, I spilled half of it. I most of it's in my sleeve now, so I'm good. You do oh, but I have, enough, oh, I have enough left. To, uh, yeah, I'm good to go. <laughs> that's where I put my coffee. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So, so, you guys want to move into the Colorado lockdown? Uh, quote unquote yeah, lockdown. So, um, Shall I begin? Go for it. Shall. Colorado has become the latest state to order residents to remain in their homes because of the coronavirus for some reason. Um, but, but like, I still go to work every day and, and the grocery store. And I don't know, like nothing's really different <laughs> for me except that People wear gloves in front of me now. Yeah. Everywhere, people are wearing gloves and masks. And my hands are so fucking dry from all the hands. It's rude. Y'all, y'all need some lotion. Yeah, because that Jurgens, Jurgens, whatever. Oh, no. <laughs> if your hands are dry, get some, get some Eucerin. Eucerin, if you're listening, please sponsor us. Um, <laughs> Eucerin, you won't be able to open the door for at least 30 minutes after you. So basically, <laughs> so like, so like Vagabond. Yeah. 
Like, so stop using milk cows. KY jelly this whole time. <laughs> it works, man. It's petroleum based. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much the same thing. It has a nice scent. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I run a grocery store, and it's been, like, I might be an asshole for saying this, but it's been pretty comical watching people just walk around in construction masks all week. <laughs> I don't know. I'm enjoying it, personally. And also, my That's hands have true. never been this clean in my entire life. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. I think I wash my hands 43 times a day. You say so, you run a grocery store. I do. So are you guys putting those plexiglass sneeze you know, guard yeah, things. Yeah, dude, we are. I mean, okay, they, we got an email about that like two days ago, but they're not going to be here for three weeks, so I'm not really <laughs> sure what that's going to do. It seems a little in Government getting you those point. or something? But, no, okay. don't even worry. We've got stickers on the floor six yeah. feet apart. Don't even so sweat it, man. Safe. Everybody is I safe know, at I'm my ridiculous. store. Do you have cops and military showing up there as well? Oh, actually, we do. I have a cop in my fucking store every single morning, like guarding ah. the toilet paper. It's oh, really? it's, it's all been just a ridiculous <laughs> shit show. I don't know, ah. man. I'm really enjoying the whole thing personally. I'm not enjoying it. I don't like walking into the grocery store and being eyed by some armed dude. It's like. Leave me alone. <laughs> I, mean, I live in a, neither, I live in a but... small town, so news takes a while to travel here. So, like, people don't even know what the coronavirus is. They're like, why is it? Oh, God. It feels pretty good being able to ask him to leave if I want to, though. So, good. You know. <laughs> That's... I am the captain now. Yeah, for real. My manager like... put blue tape on the ground in front of my desk so that people stay six feet away. He was like, I saw this at Best Buy. This is a good idea. And I'm like, okay, whatever, dude. So people come in and look at me like, really? I have to stay six feet away? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't make the here. <laughs> it's your defensive here. bubble. Holly. Watch <laughs> out for the coronavirus, bro. Oh, man. I guess he's trying to protect me and I should feel great. So has anything here. changed? Like, have you guys seen a change since, like, before this uh, order was enacted? Yes. I mean, um, everybody I acts super weird, but otherwise... Like quiet? <laughs> At our stores yeah. here, it's so bizarre the way that people are like quiet and they they'll they'll whisper. And stuff. <laughs> it's so strange. You can be in a yes. store full of people, but everyone's yes. like, "Dude, it's weird." They think it's, it's the quiet place, like they the, can't talk or hear them. Dude, the virus is gonna hear you and come after you, bro. It's the boogeyman. If you don't move, under the bed. don't make any sudden movements. It won't notice. They're just trying to hold their breath. <laughs> really so, strange, surreal word that comes to my mind. Jumped. <laughs> the virus is hiding behind every corner. Oh, every box shit. of cereal. <laughs> Anything that but, comes from China, you just gotta burn it now. Just don't pick up the lucky charm and you'll be fine. Okay, but I still think it's weird that this virus came out of China and they're the ones sending masks to Italy and Germany and Spain. Like we don't want your dirty masks, bro. Well who I mean, the hell else is gonna make <laughs> And if it sits out for more than like three days, the virus yeah, just, like can't survive. Yeah. So yeah. what they do is they lay them out on the ship. Like, they're not in containers. They just lay them out, right? And the sun just disappears. Yeah. That's what they've been doing. Strong yeah, that's exactly the, how it works. The, wind, the wind's been blowing them away left and right, man. The ocean's disgusting right now. Just adding to garbage island, bro. <laughs> it's just filtering the algae through. Very clean ocean. Right. <laughs> Except right. for should, the trash. In, in terms of like effects, I work in the air travel industry and we've had like so many cancellations of flights. Like it's ridiculous. Oh. I mean, that's yeah, totally I understandable. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. just like, God damn. Like, how long is this going to well, go? I mean, 
I'm in the army and they don't want anyone like everyone is supposed to work from home somehow. How do you army from home? God knows. So, <laughs> How do you army from I'm home? I'm gonna tell you. Keyboard but, like, warrior. Isn't that just all of the medics and stuff? Yeah, it's what we do. All the <laughs> all the medics and stuff though, they're the ones who have to like report and uh, go into work and treat all these people. And I know on Carson, like they've been testing people left and right, and it's just been ridiculous because the majority of people that they test don't have it. Like you just have like right. you know seasonal allergies or something stupid, but. They're testing anyone with a case of the sniffles. So Dude, I just feel bad for like. It's so, and then they yeah. wonder why they're running out of tests. Because you're just like handing them out all really like chill. In my state, they test 10 times as many people as actually, you know, come back positive. So I heard last week they tested in the last week, I believe it was only a week or so. They tested something like 8,600 people and 800 people came back positive across the entire state. But that means, yeah. but then at the same time, they're saying, we don't have enough tests. We don't have enough tests. Yeah, because anybody with cold symptoms, you're giving them a yeah. test. And then you're saying you right. don't have exactly. any tests. No, you have plenty of tests. What you're doing is you're giving doing you're, thousands of them for nothing. It's <laughs> spring season. It's a spring you know, everyone's going to get allergies because everything's going to start coming in bloom and growing and everything. Yeah, that's awkward. Like, I know my allergies have been acting up because I've been outside. It's been oh, beautiful. Me. I've been in the grass. But, like, trying not to wipe your nose and, and sneeze. <laughs> yeah. Treat yourself Around. at home. And if it doesn't work for a week, you, you know, you're trying everything. Then maybe right. go in and get tested. But just because right. you have little sniffles and a little runny nose and cough doesn't mean you have coronavirus. Yeah, but no, it's like pandemic porn. It's like people are just yeah. into it. They want it. Like they want to go. <laughs> Give know, me run a yeah. My wife's yeah. sister. Yeah, my Weird wife's sister stuff. was disappointed when she got tested and she didn't have it. I was like, what? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> what? That's a free two-week vacation paid. Right? Yeah. Or like right? death <laughs> or an early grave. <laughs> yeah. yeah fair point. So when you that old. That shows how seriously I'm taking it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you guys think uh, the cops or anyone, the police are going to lock people up or give them a fine or anything if they catch them out from going well, to the store or exercising? I was told by the cops that work at our airport that they're like, the street cops aren't going to do that because they have other shit to deal with right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I was like asking them, like, if it gets like, you know, more restrictive, what are they going to do? And the guy that I was talking to, he's like, I don't really know. But as of right now, anyways, like that's, they're not going to just pull you over to make sure you're, you know, going somewhere you're supposed to be. Right. Right. Which is, I mean, yeah, business. One of you sent me an article about my town specifically. That was me. Thank you. Um, yeah, and I think that's cool. They're not really, you know, looking to get people to just stay home all the time. They're not like, yeah, I don't know. They're not I, truancy. I know. Officers. That being said, the, the sheriff my mom's town <laughs> in California has stops set up all over town and they're checking every single car. That's insane. Let's well, call me. Uh, yeah. Point. Yeah. I mean, I, I live in a I live in a city of over five hundred thousand. My only note, like the only thing I've noticed is just a lot more fucking cops just out. I don't know about anybody else. And they're the ones getting city, it too. But yeah, they are for sure. At least where you live, I know they've been getting mm-hmm. it. Yeah, they have. They have yeah. indeed. I know in, in my county, my sheriff, dude, this dude's just like a big old redneck. Like I don't even know how he got elected, but anyway. He's like, <laughs> he's like, he's getting interviewed. He's like, I think those rules more apply to. Metro shitty people. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, we live in rural area. I don't know if I'll be doing anything like that. 
<laughs> He's like, of course, I got to follow the law, but I don't know about that. Like, All right, dude. <laughs> I would not worry about him coming for your guns. Oh, hell no. Yeah. no. I'm pr- he got elected because he like, was against the red flag law. So that was like his main excellent. sticking point. I ain't going to take no gun. <laughs> <laughs> the county don't pay me enough to get shot at. <laughs> and he's not fucking wrong. No, you know what? He's not a wrong. Sheriff is a lot better than a tyrannical. Just what? I, I think said a lazy out. sheriff is better than a tyrannical. That's true. That's true. Well, right, I mean, we, we live uh, out west. So. Should we move on to our next, our lighthearted one now? Yeah, our yeah. The best yeah. story all over here. <laughs> yeah. It's my the coolest. We should make T-shirts, guys. <laughs> so, favorite ninja. Uh, yeah. Who's going who's gonna to describe so, it? Who's going to delve into this story? I guess I can describe it. Okay. So, given the, the pandemic panic that apparently the entire freaking U.S. is going through right now, and the number one resource that you're going to need when expand <laughs> is toilet paper. And nobody will be able to survive unless they have toilet paper, even though they have, didn't have toilet paper until like 100 years ago. And people were using right. things like corn cobs in their hands. So people don't want to give it some up. Some people still use. So <laughs> there's one man, one hero that we don't deserve. <laughs> and what this man is doing is he is going around and he is wearing a mask and he is leaving gifts of toilet paper on people's doorsteps and ding dong ditching them to leave their them toilet paper. Now I don't know. And it, based on the photo that I'm looking at, it looks like he's almost got toilet paper around his head too. <laughs> <laughs> like it looks, it looks like he kind of went the mummy route to get covered yeah. up. And no is, one knows who he thing. is. Yeah, yeah. But well, I have a the, theory. The caped crusader that theory. we all need. So well, my theory is that it's it's Rocky Mountain Agorist. Okay, <laughs> and this is his third secret life. <laughs> On top of his Pokemon career. Right. <laughs> um, podcasting Pokemon and toilet paper drop-offs. Yeah. The most interesting man in the Dude. world. The man who oh, did God. the legend. I don't know Just that I've ever please, had... please sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I've ever... One of the two. <laughs> I've had Dosekis once, I think. Because I was just never... Well, legal to start it. And then it's never really not allowed legal. to it. Well, I am now. Yeah, when I first turned 21, I tried some, and it's it's kind of disappointing. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, like, it's not mm-hmm. very interesting. Mm-mm. When I first turned <laughs> I 21, I'd already been drinking for a year because the military screwed up the ID that they gave me, and it said I was a year older than I already was. <laughs> Classic. It, it really wasn't Government like, I was like, well, I guess I'm 21 now. Nothing's different. Okay. Yeah. Kind of boring. Okay. But yeah, what a hero. When did like, we that's... stop talking about toilet paper? <laughs> that's the guy we need. So every, every town needs a man like him. Every town I needs agree. a toilet paper ninja. You know what? I think you know? we should all be toilet paper ninjas. Ryan, you should become your to town's toilet, toilet paper, paper ninja. Paper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd prefer to see stores raise prices on toilet paper. <laughs> My name's Ryan, and I'm a toilet paper ninja. Seriously, slow <laughs> yes. down the flow so that people can, well, they'll think twice about how much they buy, but those who need more can buy more, and those who need less can buy less. You know, that exactly. works. That would be a much better thing than artificially, 
you know, making the price Keeping below the, the value, low. below the value of the actual toilet paper so that they race off the shelves and then you're stuck. So you have to have some mm-hmm. weirdo, yeah. you know, going around putting toilet people on paper. Yeah. Giving you free toilet paper. That's market counter. So we have I will counter to that. Exactly. That That's the, the alternative. That is voluntary exchange right there. That is voluntary action at its finest. Yeah. <laughs> Two sides now, the same shit ticket. <laughs> now I have some creepy nineteen-year-old at Kroger walking around counting my meat in my basket. Like, <laughs> got too much well, chicken I know that's, there. that's the worst thing you could possibly do, yeah. and it puts families at a huge disadvantage. I have five kids, a wife and five kids. <laughs> yeah, how the hell eat, are you gonna uh, feed them? <laughs> two kids are in puberty now. Okay. Oh, oh no. Jesus. Yeah. You're done. So these kids are they're, they're, <laughs> they eat so much. We all eat so much. And yeah, they look at us now as, as I'm walking around the store, like, well, like the cop, you know, and all the security and everyone's watching. Like, are you taking too much? Are you hoarding? I grabbed two yeah. things of eggs today. You know, heaven forbid, two things of eggs. We use more than that in a week. But I didn't exactly. grab three because I was feeling self-conscious since people are all around looking at everything you're buying. So I'm like, I'll just buy two. just to, Even though yeah. that's probably what you normally buy, even without the great panic of corona. No, I normally buy three. No. But yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah. So still, <laughs> I bought two get more. and I, I went to, to pay for it. And she goes, oh, I'm sorry. We can only, you can only buy one, one thing of eggs. That that doesn't even get us through half the week. I mean, I could tell you that's we bake all of our own bread. I mean, come on, we we make pancakes and waffles and the other things. That'll just those three one <laughs> one batch of bread, the pancakes and waffles takes all those eggs. Come right. on, we need our eggs. I have children. I mean, just because there's a virus somewhere doesn't make me magically have less children. But the thing is, <laughs> when you start setting we limits, when you start setting limits on how much somebody can buy. It, there's no way that can't be arbitrary. It has to be art. It is arbitrary by default because you right. have the single person who buys one pack of eggs, and guess what? That's a lot of eggs for them to have. But you you yeah. have us where if we eat eggs for a meal, that is a dozen eggs right there. <laughs> yeah, that's not even counting. I mean, which we don't because that's a wasteful use of eggs right now. But we use it for our cooking and our baking. Like you just mm-hmm. yeah, but. Just raise the freaking prices, slow the flow of the eggs going out so you don't run out, and then people will think twice about what they need and spend you don't based have to on double what they... the price. You know, you're not no. it's not some drastic raise. Raise it by a dollar. No, know, at the same time and then somebody that... has to make a choice. No, there's not nothing wrong with triple it. there's nothing wrong with, you know, quadrupling or even making it ten times the price if that's what it's worth. You know, well, that's it's what just, it's worth, it's... but I don't exactly. think that's what's going to happen. That's not what's going to happen. What I will well, say... at the same time, think of the young people who can own, who that's the only thing they know how to cook at home. Eggs. Scrambled eggs. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of people who are like that. They eat out all the time. And yeah. basically Scrambled what they can make it. Exactly. So that's what they know how to make. So they're going to go in there, buy up all these eggs. You can't even keep them a long time. They'll only last a few weeks. <laughs> exactly. It's not like you can hoard eggs, but you have people and most families are small. Grab it up all the eggs. And then you have the families who are put at a huge disadvantage. <laughs> or the bread. They raise, the bread it, got me. Uh, oh, yeah. We, they only let me buy one loaf of bread yesterday. Well, it's like when, they, when everyone panicked bought the, the bread, I'm like, you know, bread only lasts like you know, maybe two weeks max, like, right. you're not, it's going to go stale. Like, yeah, that's why understand. you bake your bread, man. 
We're yeah. not fucking we don't running bake out bread of all bread. The time, but we bake bread sometimes, and we can't find yeast or flour. Bread. Yeah. 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 We can't get. We cannot get yeast right, right now. now. We grind oh, wow. our own flour, and we had a lot of yeast. Yeah, but I mean that's that's, that's good, but we cannot get yeah. yeast right now. And like you live in my dream, chain, right? Dude, the supply chain is fucking hurting. Like we're losing a dollar twenty five on every fucking twelve pack of eggs that we sell right now. Why right. why won't they raise the price? Are they afraid to like get called out for it or something? Pretty much, yeah. It's more like a saving face kind of thing because nobody yep. else is doing it. And nobody uh, wants our to company, be noticed. Yeah, exactly. Price nobody gouging. wants Yeah, bingo. Nobody, nobody wants to be the first to do it. So demand actually. Well, I mean, like, chickens only lay, lay eggs so fast. I mean, like, One the price is going to fucking go up. So. Yeah, they're worth more at the moment. So Bingo. the yeah, price yeah. needs to reflect that. If the mm. price is demand. the same, that's artificial. That's arbitrary. Yeah. That's you know not, not okay. I'm, I'm about to go down to Tractor Supply and buy, like, 13 chicks and just start my own egg factory out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I could. $10 a rough, baby. Dude, there. It's cheaper to buy a freaking chicken than a thing of eggs. Yeah, it really is right now, though. Yeah. Hmm. And I don't know. Some of our local farms here are hurting, so it's harder for us to get locally at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get that. Well, so a lot of like local farmers that I know here, like farming is like their secondary job because it just doesn't pay enough. Mm -hmm. Like they go work for the prison or something, and then they have to. And then they come home and they do all their farming to like 10 o'clock at night and wake up and then go work all day and come back home. Farm. Exhausting. It's kind of a hard life. For sure. But Well, well the problem is it's not flexible. But yeah, you can yeah. only, your local farms can only do so much. And then if you have a situation like this where suddenly people are running out to the farmer's market that they don't normally go to, when you like, me show up at the farmer's market trying to get eggs and butter and milk suddenly it's sold out because people Everyone left the, the stores idea. and they ran out over there Even and grabbed them yeah except i regularly buy them there that's the problem yeah, yeah we got a farmer's market a block exactly. for me and they're opening yeah. late this year because they know the demand's gonna be so much <laughs> they need to take a well, few more weeks to stock think, up so yeah i don't think it's, our farmer's market's opening soon either but i think it's more because of the whole do not gather things that are in yeah. grow your own food people amen as much as you can plant potatoes it's so easy so easy. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, you know you can forget to water them for like two weeks and you're like oh and then <laughs> smart yeah but do you guys want to move into questions for uh for ryan yeah let's yeah, do that let's do it. our story okay um, so so you want to go do both yeah, so the first question is, uh, what state are you from? If you don't want to answer, you don't have to. But, you know, just at the state level or, like, where you've lived and whatnot, because people that live in different places of the country usually have a different perspective on things, and it's interesting uh, to know. Yeah, I've lived a few places. I live in Allen... Al wow. Okay. Yeah, I live in <laughs> Allentown, Pennsylvania. So. I love Pennsylvania. I was... Born in Florida, moved to Pennsylvania, then out to Missouri, then down to Texas, then back to Ugh. Pennsylvania. Missouri. So I've seen wow. seen a number, seen a few places. But you know that Johnny I, Cash I've been everywhere. You've moved around <laughs> a lot. Like Great me. song. But we're, I mean, the kids, they're getting to be older. So we're looking mm -hmm. kind of, where do we want to be for the next, like, 20 years? You know, because right. you don't want to be moving when they're in, when they're in 
middle school and high school. And like I said, we have two kids. Yeah. They're two kids at puberty right now. So yeah, we're actually looking at Florida. We're thinking of uh, rural Florida, north of uh, north of Orlando. Man. We can garden year round. We can buy yeah. lots of land for cheap. We can. It's just there's so are, many no, reasons are you that would by, be a like, great place. By the That's Ocala National great. Forest. Yes, by Ocala. We're we're yeah, very okay. very interested in Ocala. There's so. an old missile testing range out there or a bombing mm. range. It's kind of cool. Nice. Yeah. Um, now you bring up your kids. One of the things you talk about in your podcast. It's how you were homeschooled. Now you you enjoyed being homeschooled because you right. uh, learned quite a bit. Um, do you homeschool your kids currently, like kind of the same way that your parents did? Or? Oh, you bet. I mean, definitely not the same way. Uh, there's lots of my parenting that isn't the same way. I don't use violence to try and, you know, turn my kids to my will. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, we homeschool. We have five kids. Uh, three of them are school age, but you know, there's, it's, it's very wishy-washy as to where school begins when you're kind of a homeschool, unschool family. You know, mm -hmm. we just start teaching them. The four-year-olds, you know, been learning to read slowly. The other ones, they all picked up reading. Actually, our last two kids have taught themselves how to read uh, completely cool. on their own. So, you know, we just kind of go with the flow and move through books and have fun and learn. And kids know a lot. They're always teaching me stuff. I think that is the best way. It is, yeah. honestly. What's the hardest thing about homeschooling for you, for like people that want to homeschool their, their kids, your future kids they're, they're having? Oh, well, the biggest problem is just getting past that paradigm, uh, the, the state school paradigm. Because the state school paradigm is you sit down for X number of hours a day, for X number of days a week. And you like do this, this book learning type deal, you know, where you go through these horrific textbooks and Each what you're taught is arbitrary. It, yeah. It doesn't matter what you're interested in. It doesn't matter, you know, what the world is like. You're just fed this stuff and you're just supposed to take it in and repeat it back. Most people, when they approach homeschooling, their first thought is how do I recreate that at home? And then they get really frustrated because they're trying to find like all, curriculums and all these other things, trying to put together this big thing, trying to set aside all this time, trying to do all this. They're trying to control everything rather than kind of stepping back and just more or less letting the kid guide, guide them in the, in the process. So moving through what interests the child, they're interested in China this time, you know, right now, well, let's just delve into China. We'll watch Chinese documentaries and we'll, we'll read books about China and we'll talk all about China and <laughs> you know, why not? That's, or they're in yeah, ancient Egypt now. So we do that or the Vikings or American history or this or that, you know, that's my, so cool, man. Like, I feel like I would have done better if that's how like teaching was taught to me. Like if that's how it roll, rolled through yeah. things. Mm -hmm. Our four-year-old, he was, he was talking about Southeast Asia to our two-year-old a few days ago. We heard him upstairs. That's awesome. He's just, just yeah, going so off. Cool. His sister had been studying Southeast Asia, and she wrote a paper on it. I don't even know why she wrote a paper, but she, <laughs> she wrote a paper. On, like, so she wrote a paper on Southeast Asia. So that's cool. And he heard her. So he was then telling his two-year-old brother, you know, about Southeast Asia. <laughs> it was so fun. That's awesome. But, you know, it's so a, cool. we're a homeschool, you know, we're a homeschool household. But it's, yeah. And I feel like it makes learning more fun, too, like. It's something you want to do as opposed to something that yeah. you, you have to do because your parents just drop you off at this place for eight hours a day and you're just there. Yeah. 
Well, and right. it's less arbitrary. It's, you know, it, you're learning things that interest you and the kids learning things that interest you or that interest them. It's not hi, I'm the holder of all the information that you need to know, and I'm going to systematically stuff your little brain full of things I think you should understand, and I'm going to force you to repeat them back to me. Like, that raise, that's how you raise robots. That's not how you raise people, you know? Yeah, because I you can like, learn what... I feel like that yep. gives them, like, a more, like, holistic, clear view of the world, too, and how things actually fit together, right. rather than yeah. kind of the... Uh, systematic indoctrination that you know i went through anyway as a kid right well as i yeah, said in my episode mm -hmm. the best thing about being homeschooled is it taught me how to learn so that for my entire yeah. life now if i need to know something i learn it yeah, that's that's definitely. it i don't expect to be spoon-fed things and i don't need mm -hmm. to be spoon-fed things i don't know things that i don't need to know and i learn anything that i do need to know you know so yeah Right, and then your your brain space isn't cluttered with stuff like, you know, you taught algebra in high school. I could not <laughs> tell you the last time I used theorems. algebra ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could really? tell you the mitochondria right. is the powerhouse in the cell, but like, I've I've never used that ever again. I just know that because it's what's ingrained in your mind over and <laughs> over and over. See, I use algebra and that stuff all the time. I love that. I guess that it's is web design. Yeah, it's part of part of my job to be sure, but. That's the kind of stuff that I, I find useful. Biology, on the other hand, I just hated that my whole life. Sitting down and me memorizing the the all the different you know categories yeah. of things, and I just mm -hmm. oh, I hated that so much. When I was homeschooled, I would just mm -hmm. push those to the side, and my parents didn't shove my nose in it. And then I went to school, and suddenly I was forced to. And You're I hated forced it. into it. <laughs> yeah, and the funny thing is, See, that's, the, that's the stuff that like... that's the stuff that moved out of my brain. But the algebra and all that good stuff, oh, that's that's still fresh, and I use it all the time. <laughs> yeah, see, and I'm the opposite. I hate math. I could give a shit about math. But, like, biology and, like, nature science, like, I'm all about it. I love that. But mm -hmm. in well, high school, there's no like way we're I could individuals. focus on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you're not supposed to be a machine get, going through a, a yard just getting rubber stamped with everything. Exactly. Right. An assembly line. <laughs> we're, we're yeah, not that's like the word that. I'm looking for. Yeah. We're we're not right. one model, you know. All need the same stuff put in it. Nope, very different. Which Excellent. that's also one of the cool things about coronavirus is it is showing how badly rigid, wrongly rigid the school system is. Because now people are trying to do school from home, and they're realizing, oh, but different people's situations are different, and children don't learn all the same way. And online schooling works for some, but not for others. But of course, they're all turning it around and saying, this is all proof that, that homeschoolers are elitist, racist. I've heard that. It's crazy. They're turning it around and blaming <laughs> They're racist? Yeah, oh, what? I've heard that. <laughs> well, homeschoolers, because you have to be, you know, a comfortable white suburban person in order to homeschool, right? Obviously. Well, because those poor black people and them, you know, they can't afford that kind of stuff, right? Because they obviously don't have good jobs. Isn't that <laughs> the way so people think? That, oh, God. I've it's never that, heard that, that before, weird, but that, that is weird. so stupid. Well it's, well, it's racist. It's horribly racist to say that kind of stuff. But people imply it by how they talk about other people when they say, yeah, either way. But right. the point you. is, rather than talk about the other stuff, why don't you just stop and say, hey, aren't you, like, stop and think. If, if, you're, if your school system is too rigid that you can't, you know, that it's not even flexible enough to to work in these different contexts based on, you know, like right now they have to be at home. Okay. Whatever. I mean, maybe, maybe it is too rigid. I mean, 
if if it doesn't work for everybody everywhere, why do you think it works for everybody the exact same when they're in the actual building? Right. So, and I think a, the teachers unions have a lot to do with that too. And I think they're probably going to get pissed off because uh, even with the online schooling, it's going to show how kind of irrelevant some teachers are in the system. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'll hurt. Yep. It'll be funny. And, we'll cover and it. I say that as someone whose mom works for a school district, like <laughs> and for sure is in the, in the teacher's union. And then I'm like, man, you're wrong. <laughs> You know, the teachers losing their job story will be the uplifting story next week. Yeah, we need to <laughs> yeah. pay them more for less. In today's good news, teachers are losing their jobs, and most of the NYPD is out sick. <laughs> yes, yeah. all right. That's fucking excellent. That yeah. I can only get so erect. <laughs> so, the next question: um, Who put absolutism? I don't know what that's supposed to. Who had that question for him? So that was me, um, and that was just more of a comment that I wanted to make. Um, in one of your podcasts, because we listened, like I said, we listened to all of them um, in preparation for this, since they are so short. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, you made a really good quote, and it was an example of paying property tax, right? And you pay property tax because you don't want to lose your home. Right. And I think that that's why most people do it, because they don't want to lose their home. Um, but most of us in this podcast are anarchists and I'm an agorist, an agorist, however you want to pronounce it. Um, that's the, that's the brand of anarchism I subscribe to, but Mm -hmm. you made the good point that you vote against things that you don't, that one, you think you can control and that you don't agree with. So if your city has a resolution for a higher property tax you're going to go and vote for that because you think that that is worth your time and energy or you could say or you could have the opposite you feel high and mighty you don't go and vote and you sit on your high horse yeah you sit on your high horse and property tax goes up anyway right yeah so that was that was eye-opening to me um in terms of avoiding absolutism and i just wanted to say it like that thank you that was a that was a change of perspective that i wasn't expecting to have Nice. Yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I think it. that was that was your best episode that I've listened to mm-hmm. by far. Oh. Really brought perspective to myself too. Very cool. Because I get a lot of crap from the community because I'm just I'm a I'm a libertarian. I'm a constitutionalist. I know you're not a huge fan of the Constitution, um, but I think <laughs> I think it needs to be changed. Yeah, but I think the document it, that made yeah. this horrific government. Right. But I think it's yeah. the best document <laughs> that mankind has created since, like. Uh, of a government that's actually happened, you know. Because mm-hmm. if you look at like uh, republics and doc- uh, democracies from the past, and democracies are garbage anyway. Like it always, there's always an elite community that controls it. And at least mm-hmm. we've tried. You know, we we pushed the envelope <laughs> to a sense more than anyone else has. But we're you know we're retracting, we're regressing. Well, as far as paper but, goes, it's a great paper. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. it's 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 the best in the world, but ultimately the biggest lesson to learn from it is, is that paper can't actually defend your rights. <laughs> you can't, no, you can't, no. you can't expect a paper to defend yourself from it's a government. In a this bullet. case, yeah, in this case, it's the same paper that made the horrific government, the most powerful, most deadly government in the history of the entire world. Like, yeah, it was made by this document. So yeah, that, that shows... 
<laughs> it's yeah. it's a Can it's a huge wrong. huge failure. Yeah. yeah. Even though it's a great yeah. document, I mean, sure, it's it's the best the history has ever seen. <laughs> well, it, it's a good teaching, too. It's a teaching tool. Like, hey, you know, there there's things in it, like, uh, you know, freedom of speech. Like, and a lot of people, a lot of like anarchists, still lay out their belief system, where they're like, you know, people should have the right to assemble and say what they want and whatnot. And those are ideas that are derivative from the Constitution, and you know, well, the Bill of no, rights. they're derivative from property rights. Not the Constitution. And yeah. that's why the anti-federalists said we should not, under any circumstances, make a Bill of Rights. Because they said if we make a Bill of Rights, what will happen is people will think those the are rights their are rights. By the government. Exactly, that the government's yeah. giving them those rights, even though – and they were assured, oh, don't worry, don't worry. No, 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 this is just like a reflection. We're just making sure that we're just reflecting back at people, you know, saying, by the way, we understand that these are your rights. But, yeah, that See, it, it, that was never the case. I mean, it never well, actually worked. I that understand way. putting it in writing, because then then people know. And then because if you don't put it in writing, you know, reading is the best thing a person can learn to do. Or better yet, you don't start the horrific government in the first place and expect yeah. a piece of yes. paper to keep you safe. Especially since George Washington, soon after that, went to war. You know, whiskey rebellion. The whiskey rebellion. We're not. We're not gonna, yep. The Constitution says we're not going to put any individual taxes. You know, on like products and and people. Okay, and whatever taxes they're they're wide, but then they say, mm -hmm. and we're going to go ahead and put a tax on whiskey. To which the whiskey people said, "Heck no, we're not paying yeah. a, a whiskey tax. We just got over these the paper taxes, this tax, tea tax. No, we're done with this kind of stuff." And George Washington yeah, suits up to go to <laughs> battle. Give yeah. me a break! Come on, well, it was the Constitution uh, was dead on arrival, man. Well, that's one of the things that you talk about. Is uh, you said that like you know our founders rebelled against way less than what we're dealing with right now. True. And like that, that's true. And I, I bring that point up all the time when I'm talking to like the more conservative Republican friends that I have, I'm like, this country rebelled over like a, a slight tax on tea. I'm like, yeah, we pay a fee and a tax and a charge for ev everything from driving your car to the own, your property you own to the business you own to your income to well, and you're in prison in your home as we speak. So, I mean, yeah. if anything, if, if anyone who says, hey, you know, the liberty movement is, is making progress every day. You know, we got Rand Paul in there. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, if there's ever been a time that, that's, that's shown how absurd that way of thinking is, it's been now where overnight every mayor, every governor and the president showed, have shown themselves to be dictators just waiting for opportunity. And as yep. soon as the opportunity comes, they can just announce whatever they want and do it. And we have no so, say whatsoever and no recourse whatsoever. We're just stuck. This is a, this is a perfect segue into our next question. Um, and we already kind of know the answer, but are you an ANCAP? Are you libertarian? Are you conservative, communist? Um, whatever you are, <laughs> how did you get there? Like, how'd you go through the steps? Because everyone, I feel like everyone started somewhere and then got to the point they are now. So, like, how have your views changed or evolved over time? See, my problem was I voted for John McCain. Oh, <laughs> boy. That, that was a life-changing moment. I was, well, I was listening to, at that time, you know, I was, it was all into to Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity and Glenn Beck, and I listened to Glenn Beck every single day, and he would talk about, Me you know, we're on, 
Ron Paul and the the terrorists who would follow Ron Paul and just don't let and then uh, Rush Limbaugh said don't whatever you do don't ever listen to that little that little man on the on the stage talking about Ron Paul so and in my brain I said all right yeah we'll listen to we'll listen to that guy but I was getting really into the constitutional studies and I was looking stuff up and seeing wow a lot of what I was taught even homeschooling was was wrong and okay then the 2008 election came around and it's like whoa, this is a turning point, the most important election of our entire lifetime. We have an actual literal <laughs> communist running against John McCain. And you know, John McCain, he's no George he's a W. He's, he's no George W. Bush, but given the alternative, you know, we just, just got to buckle down and do what needs to be done in order to save this republic. And I walked out that day and I, I voted for John McCain and I, I left the polling place and immediately my, I just like, I don't know, swallowed my heart. It just, this, mm, whoa, what did I just do? And I stopped and said, that guy's disgusting. I don't agree with, uh, what, how screwed up is my way of thinking that I could justify putting my, my weight behind this person going into office? And I went home hoping that John McCain wouldn't win so that I wouldn't be responsible for for him, or partial, even partially responsible for him getting in there, knowing what he would potentially do in office. So yeah. at that point, I said, obviously something's broken in my brain. So I just started reading, and someone turned me on to Ron Paul. Well, actually, I mean, it was actually Alex Jones. Uh, <laughs> Alex Daddy Jones. Yeah, he, he interviewed Ron Paul, and I said, Ron Paul, he's the guy that Rush Limbaugh said never to listen to. I said, Ooh. why would Alex Jones be interviewing Ron Paul? So I listened to the episode and Ron Paul was saying all the same things that I'd been coming to learn on my own through my own study. And I said, this guy actually gets it. This guy's brilliant. And I started, I was started reading Ron Paul's books and his book, Gold, Peace and Prosperity had a foreword by Murray Rothbard. And I thought, well, if he writes the foreword to, uh, to a Ron Paul book, he, he can't be half bad. I'll go ahead and get one of his books. So I, I bought a <laughs> bunch of Murray Rothbard and I was toast, man. It, it just, he completely, I was reading, it was mainly his American history, uh, conceived in Liberty series. I was reading through that and was absolutely floored as I was, as I was reading about, um, like the, uh, pilgrims, you know, slaughtering the Indians or the natives or the, whatever we call them now, you know, all this <laughs> crazy stuff. And they thought they were so right, but their thinking was so screwed up that they that they were able to do such horrible things. And then you had like Pennsylvania. Okay, Pennsylvania where you had the Quakers who didn't want to use violence against people. And guess yeah. what? It was the only state or the only colony, the only territory area in the entire all out of the colonies that was at complete peace with the Indians. <laughs> they weren't actually killing each right. other. The only place. And it was amazing. And even then, if you remember the story, William Penn started the colony he thought he was just gonna make money excuse me make money <laughs> off of it so yeah. he he basically bought the colony and he's sitting in britain waiting for them to start sending him tax money he set up a like a board you know who would who would run the colony but the board yeah. were all quakers and they weren't gonna mess with people because they were pacifists they weren't about to you know use violence or something against people so they all went back to their farms and just went about life and for years pennsylvania had zero government at all and if people had trouble, they went to, you know, respected third parties and they worked through their issues 
and they were Quakers. They were pacifists. They didn't use violence against each other. And things just worked. And then eventually William Penn said, why am I not getting my money? So he sent this dude over, uh, a representative, and sent a letter beforehand to all the people saying, I need you to meet my man. He showed up there and no one met him at the, you know, when he landed. So he had to go all throughout the colony finding the, the board to get them together to, uh, to run the state. And eventually William Penn came over and did it himself. And that's when it actually turned into a, created an actual central functioning central government. But yeah, I was blown away and I said, okay, that's the kind of society I want to be a part of. And I want to be that kind of person, not the not the the righteous murderers you know uh up in new england so right. yeah it blew me away and i was actually at that time i was i was leading these uh declaration of independence like seminars for the tea party i was heavily involved in the tea party mm. so and one day i was i'd been reading so much rothbard but i'm sitting in, in or i'm leading this conference with a bunch of boomers and <laughs> in this during this uh thing i was talking about taxation i was saying hey you know well i was talking about our pro private property our you own your body therefore when you trade a bit of time like of your life in order yeah. for it to get a physical good in return Great for that, concept. that physical good is the representation of that part of your life you traded part of your limited life it's ultimately the only thing you have to give to get that so nobody has the right to take it from you because if they did that would mean that they have the right over your life and, and that was a great episode that you did too. Like I've been going into that with my, my friends and whatnot, where it's like your labor, what they pay you for your labor is time <laughs> you will never get back. And it's like that movie. I think there's a movie where like they had the time imprinted on their arm and you traded like your time that you had on earth was the currency that they used. Oh, okay. I forget what the movie's called, but it was super fascinating. And it's basically like what you're talking about now, where it's like the time you yeah. have on this planet, that is your wealth. That is what your representation of your wealth because it's the only resource that you'll never make more of. Exactly. It's Can't ultimately all you have. It's here. ultimately all you have. Exactly. From the moment you are born to the moment you die, you're spending this currency. The question is what you're spending it on. But as right. I was standing in front of these people explaining this, one guy raised his hand and said, so if that's the case, then how can taxation exist? <laughs> it, it obviously click, clicked in his brain. But it was a it was a confrontational type question. He he was from the conservative you know angle. Right. It was probably was, hard for him to question it. Well, yeah. I know, but it was more yeah. And I, I mean, I looked at him and I said, "Well, in my brain, I went, holy crap! Yeah, I can't <laughs> answer that question. There is no way to justify it." So I I just and that's that was when I realized that I was a full ANCAP point, but. Mm. Yeah, the guy, I just said, you know, that's an excellent question. You need to think about that because I honestly can't give you an answer for that. There is, I can't think of a way to justify it. So but is that then what you a bunch say of, you are as an ANCAP? No, I mean, I was an ANCAP then. I mean, I still am now. I mean, agorism itself is more about the process toward getting to that ultimate free place. Hmm. You know, uh, Konkin, uh the guy who you know created agorism, Samuel Edward Conkin the Third. He was he was a huge Murray Rothbard fan. Okay, and he he was an anarcho-capitalist himself. But after Murray Rothbard wrote his For a New Liberty uh, book, 
which he loved, uh, Konkin said, yeah, but it's just not practical enough. There's no roadmap, no way forward, you know, to, to get from point A to point B. How do we get to that free society? And that's how he reasoned in his mind, agorism. And agorism is basically looking at the things you need in life now and finding alternate means of getting those, you know, gray markets. It's not right. It's yeah. not wrong. It's just what you need. You know, you're not trying, you're not trying to use, you know, illicit markets or something. You're just getting what you need. And the and point I'll, is, to, yeah, I'm oh, sorry. And I'll, well, the I'll idea, tell you what, like the last, the last few days I've been listening to like your, your podcast and just even this conversation we're having right now is definitely, cause I like to consider myself a libertarian, but just listening to your podcast and everything you're saying, like my biggest gripe with anarchism is like, how do you get there? Because it just mm -hmm. doesn't work if you just implement it overnight. It's it's gonna be chaos, and that's right. my biggest gripe with it. Well, like, if you implement you it, you're set it out wrong. and explain it, like and explain uh, agorism. Like honestly, like these last few days, I've been rethinking my whole beliefs because of you. You know, one person explaining it to me, which nice. I think is incredible. We told you I'm happy to you be there. a part of that. <laughs> yeah, you guys said you would get me there. Yeah. Get me there. Well, for those who haven't listened, though, the idea is you 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 join you. Find what you need through alternate markets, you know, markets that aren't dependent on the government or these these huge, you know, government controlled trade routes and everything. And you find what you need and you get it through the best means possible. So then the idea is that if you can get everything you need without having to rely on the government in order to get it, then at that point, you actually don't need the government anymore. You're at a point where you're free. And whether the government exists or doesn't exist is irrelevant because you're taken care of. So his idea was just moving. If everybody was able to move just toward, you know, just meeting your own needs, finding ways to meet your own needs apart from the government, you Being could basically rely. Exactly. You could basically put the government out of their out of business. Right. And then whether the government stays or goes, you're good because if the government stays. Well, guess what? You're still getting what you need. You're still taking care of yourself. You know. But if so, the government goes, you already have means. You are, where you're getting your food from. You know, you already know what you're trading. You're, all, you know, so. So can I ask you then? Would you agree, uh, like with a, like a bartering system or trading goods and services as opposed to like a singular currency? Well, of course. I mean, that's there's no such thing as a single anything in the free market. I mean, a currency is just another good to trade. So. Uh, like, I know you've talked about crypto a lot. So, like, with crypto, how would you, I trade a cryptocurrency with, you know, back to, like, the farmer's market, with, like, the farmer down the road? Like, and say he well, doesn't have access to that. Like, large-scale trade in order to, well, okay. If you go back to the, to the most, you know, uh, crude example, you know, you, you have the, the fisherman over here. And then you have the uh, chicken farmer over here, <laughs> okay? So then the, the chicken farmer might need some fish. Okay, that's great. So then, and the, the fishermen might need some eggs. So then they can trade. Hey, you trade me fish for eggs, okay? Mm -hmm. But then you have the fisherman who needs, you know, rope for his nets. Well, the right. chicken guy who wanted fish, you know, doesn't have rope. But the guy over here who sells the, the rope, what he needs is he needs eggs. So then you end up with the fisherman guy. He has to trade to get the eggs and then trade back the eggs 
to the to the rope guy in order to get his rope. <laughs> Bartering in that sense is a horribly inefficient way to get what you need. And exactly. Real trade, like real markets, real you know economic growth, whatever you want to call it, you know, large scale markets grew when people started uh, started agreeing in a larger scale on what they valued it for trade you know common means of of you know uh value exchange okay so that's and, how we came up with the currency is that well the dollar the dollar at? yeah the traditional dollar was the number one thing you know an ounce of uh silver you know uh, right. whatever you pronounce it a, a thaler taylor however you, the original dollar yeah. But like ever since, and that's what our that's what our dollar came from. Yeah, it came from that. But that was respected. Just a, an ounce silver coin around the world. <laughs> that was money, or smaller, you know, uh, of the same amount. But the point is, people agreed to, you know, the both the the chicken guy, the fish guy, and the rope guy all agreed that that was valuable to them, so they could trade and they could do that, you know, easily. So. Yeah, governments and businesses take advantage of that because when you go to fiat currency, then <laughs> they can direct where it goes, how much comes out, and play all sorts of games with it. But when you're dealing with hard currency, you don't have that. You don't have that uh, opportunity. So, if you're talking about an, an agorist or a free society, what people trade would just have to be what people trade. That's the only answer. Deemed valuable. Exactly. So there might be some people who trade fish for eggs. Um, there might be other people who trade silver for silver. There might be other people who trade, you know, cryptocurrencies for cryptocurrencies. There might be other people who have banks who write banknotes, you know, that aren't worth very much, but you know, they like the the they they trust that bank and that that bank right. is trustworthy enough that they will do that, or, or that they'll that people are willing to trust them. That they're good for for the notes they're writing. Like there's a billion different ways you could do it, and you can't say how in a free world what everyone would agree on because first of all, people wouldn't agree on everything, and second of all, we're not in that free world, so we don't know. There's a lot of things that we don't know. When you introduce freedom, crazy, amazing things happen, and right. you can't you can't always see how that's going to. Uh, there's no way to Affected know in the future how what it's no actually going to look like. Well, exactly. Right. And I hate to be the, I'm not trying to ask all the questions, but like, dude, I've been listening to all your podcasts and I'm just overloading with your information right now. But, uh, one, <laughs> yeah, one thing sure. I did, one big question that I did have on you, uh, for you, um, and this, my mind has been changed on this after I had kids. I used to be very, I'm like, Oh, if you want to get an abortion, you know, get an abortion. I don't know. If I, when I was a single man, I was like, okay, you know, whatever, like who cares? And then when I, when I finally had kids, um, I became very, like, my views on abortion have changed. Um, and you talk about a strong belief in, like, the individual. And so what are your views on abortion? Do you think they should happen any point that the baby's <laughs> in? Or, like, and it's the hardest question ever because it's, it's a real, it's a moral question. And then it's, like, an individual question because at, yeah, at a certain kind point of you determine life. To ask, but. Yeah, but <laughs> it, it's the hardest question it. ever. But what what are your views on abortion as an agorist? Well, that's the thing. It's one of those questions that turns people away from your message rather than brings right. people in most of the time. <laughs> yeah, it does. That's you know? why it's a it's hard like, question. It's like why don't you why don't you ask that yeah that question that'll make half the crowd turn and 
thumb their necks at you and walk away. Yeah. You know. So. But everyone has ge different. Generally, views on her, so. I mean, on my show, what I try and do is I just try and you know bring up a chunk of truth and kind of just stick it out there, <laughs> rather than <laughs> rather than delve into things that will you know divide up my audience and and where you get the the, the team sports, uh, you know, mentality. Yeah. yeah. But when it yeah. comes to yeah. when it comes to abortion, like it's a really complicated thing, and I have it's, my own personal. Nuanced. I have my own personal views on it, but the thing that I can say absolutely, completely, 100% is that the government shouldn't have anything to do with it. It's not, it's not the government's job. Mm -hmm. It's not, I mean, ultimately the only way the government, like if we just want to talk about practicality, Ron Paul has spoken about that at length in the past before. It's impossible for the government to actually enforce something like that the way that they enforce no abortion like is by is by policing pregnant women <laughs> and mm. it's impossible how are you it's just it it doesn't work it involves making government agencies and then different bureaucracies and then enforcement agents and all this other stuff it just it doesn't make any sense why would you put that power in the government's hand why would you tell the government that it's their job to decide what a pregnant woman can and cannot do with her body for example, also, I mean, smoking is horrible. Why in the world yeah. do you smoke when you're pregnant? But guess what? A lot of women do it. If you're, I mean, if you're pro-life and you think it's the government's job to protect that baby inside there, yeah. then, I mean, well, you, government's got to stop them from smoking, right? Or, I mean, yeah. if you're really pro-life, because that's or very using bad meth for that while baby. Pregnant. Yeah. I mean, any of those things. It's yeah. like, you can't. You can't give the government that power because who knows what they're going to do. What about birthing? Like we gave birth to two of our kids at home. Uh, guess That's what? amazing. No, did your wife, your wife didn't use any like painkillers or anything for that? Uh, painkillers? <laughs> I don't, I mean. Or like, mm -hmm. uh, that, what's that crap that they get in the spine? Shit, my wife got I it. mean, that's an epidural, yeah. An yeah, epidural, my, no, my, wife, yeah. my wife's got an epidural, you know, a couple mm -hmm. times before. But the ones at home, yeah, obviously she didn't. You can't do Dude, that without that is anesthesia. You know what? Just... Hey, this your wife, <laughs> more power to her. Well, I'm just saying but, it because, like, when my wife gave birth, like, she had an epidural, and it was still, like, hard. You know, it was still very challenging and whatnot. So anyone who, you know, if you, you can do it without it, man, that's that's tough. Well, like, you know. Yeah, birthing babies is not easy. No, <laughs> however, no. however, It's a traumatic experience. It. I'm glad but I But the thing is... <laughs> If you imagine if the government, it was their decision to decide, you know, how you birth that baby. Maybe you have the, I mean, you know how powerful the hospitals are. Just look at what's happening right now. The hospitals yeah. are writing, the, the hospitals along with the media are writing the rules at this point for, for all of us. But you know how, how connected the hospitals and the, the medical establishment is with the government. Yeah. I mean, guess what? Well, in their mind, in the medical establishment's mind, the safest place, even though uh, in terms of um, statistically, it's it's not the safest place. But in their minds, the safest place to have a baby is the hospital. Yeah. So guess what? If if it's a pro-life government, you got to have that kid in the hospital because it's the government's job to make sure that you take care of that baby. Mm. You know, it's it. There's no any line that you end up drawing ends up being arbitrary. Um. So now, do you think you should draw a line when it comes to things like? Uh, and this is is kind of close to home, like like child abuse. Like if somebody has like you know, three kids and both of the parents are shooting up meth and they're not there for the kids. What, what then 
if you're living in a, in a world of agorism or anarchism, like what should happen to those parents if they're abusing their children? What is well, have you ever have you ever read Murray Rothbard's Ethics of Liberty? I have not. See, in Ethics of Liberty, he talks at length about this. But the problem most people have is they jump right to the kids chapter rather mm -hmm. than reading. It's it's a systematic book, you know. So he starts building the case for individual, you know, individual uh, autonomy and and uh, self ownership, and he he builds this up. Go and then after he's built it up, he starts going like case by case and all these different bits of society how those would apply. And in the children's section, he talks a lot about that because he well he also talks about abortion. In his case, he just says you know abortion. Everyone you know do abortion. Like he was very uh, what was the word ejectionist. You know, like it's uh, the child has no right to to stay inside the mom, you know, so if she decides to eject that person, it's her body, her property. So it's her decision to make. And that that is way too rigid for me. I'm not willing to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm not, it's going, not nuanced yeah. enough. Well, I mean, you could I'll say the other thing. I mean, you could say in real life, you, you know, you uh, if someone's on your property, and you don't want them there. You can kick them out. Yes. OK. But say you're you invited somebody onto your private jet and you're 10,000 feet in the air. And then you decide you don't want that person on your property anymore. It's still your property, <laughs> but do you have the right to shove that person out the door? To murder them? So, I mean, if you shove them out the door, they're, they're dead. Okay. So yeah. there, there is nuance to all this. Okay. But the point is like, those are the discussions we should be having, but instead the discussions are what government should or shouldn't do. And that is the wrong place to be having to to be trying to 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 solve these problems, especially since I think abortion and everything they're they're people problems, and they're not the kind of problems that government could fix even if they wanted to. It just it's right. it, it causes sure. more trouble more trouble than good. But well, we're kind of seeing that right now with just the whole I don't know the government trying to control every single thing that people do and realistically i shouldn't if i mean i shouldn't get thrown in a cage for going outside my house regardless of how you know that affects other people it's a people problem it's not necessarily something that the government should be controlling because they don't have to leave their houses that's exactly right yeah it's the part of the responsibility is on that more vulnerable population as well mm -hmm. and there are tons and tons of nonviolent ways of teaching people and yeah. and letting people know that's that's what the free market's for it's where you convince people of stuff mm -hmm. uh i'm an ordained pastor in the mennonite church and uh <laughs> my church is a few blocks from here that's awesome and you know <laughs> i teach from the bible <laughs> and the bible you know despite what some people's wrong interpretations of it it is actually a pro-life book <laughs> the old testament is all about what people don't want what god doesn't want for humanity then jesus shows up and shows a new way and says hey you heard back then i say to those of old but now i'm saying something new to you something better i'm revealing to you the real heart of god and you see that god is all for life for putting down our swords for for solving things voluntarily unlike the state unlike the rulers of the world who who use their top-down violent pressure to get things done jesus showed them a new way a bottom-up approach where you where you give your life to others and in doing so you you make the world a better place but yeah, you know that's that's a big part of how i would deal with abortion <laughs> is yeah I mean, I show people, level. 
on a personal right. level by by loving people and showing them the heart of God in any way that I can, you know, and then by the grace of God, drawing them closer, making them more like Jesus. And in, in, in my brain as a Christian at that point, you know, if they would see their baby the way that Jesus sees us, I, I, I think they would have a, have a very different, um, see a, a very different take when it comes to, to it going into an office to have somebody take that baby out. But, you know. You're not going to force them at gunpoint to have the baby. You just want to educate them, is what you're trying to say. Yeah, educate. That's, that's one way to put it. But yeah. still, you know, it's, it's personal. It's people. Mm -hmm. It's actually dealing with, dealing with hearts rather than, you know, skipping the actual personal connection and moving to and saying, I'm going to fix this by violence. I'm going to fix a violent problem using more violence. It's just bizarre. <laughs> it is. Well, I think I'm good on my questions for now because I've asked you so much, but I mean, I love learning from you and whatnot. <laughs> but I know these other guys have more questions, so I'll let them get to it. I guess um, I guess the only other thing I think we have, um, so real quickly, what would you recommend to somebody who's looking into um, agorism? And then where can they learn more about you, your podcast, your beliefs? All right. Well, uh, if they want to learn more about me, if they want to learn more about agorism, of course, there's technoagorist.com. I'll give you the link so you can give it to people. Um, you know, we'll put it in the description too. Yep, yep. And then uh, also there's the New Libertarian Manifesto by Samuel Conkin III. Yeah, I'll get you that link there. But after Murray Rothbard did his for a new liberty, like I said, Konkin wanted to provide a, a, a better way forward. So he came up with his new libertarian manifesto. And he, he distributed that, and that became the the basis of agorism. So yeah, that's basically the best way to get started by reading the new libertarian manifesto. You can find it at agorist or agorism.info. That's where it is. And it is a wonderful little book. It When I read it, it just absolutely blew me away. And if you really want just the, just to, to get at the, the basics, just look up agorism on Wikipedia. Uh, it's actually great. Uh, they have lots of information and the, it's, you know, it's, it's a great starting point. That's actually how I first heard of Samuel Konkin because I'd heard about uh, algorithm from someplace. And I thought, well, that sounds interesting. What is that? I went to, went to Wikipedia and they were talking about Samuel Conkin. So then I looked him up and started reading his books. <laughs> so, and I got sucked in because I said, this just makes sense. Basically we each take care of ourselves in such a way that we aren't dependent on the government so that whether the government exists or doesn't exist, eh, life goes on. We know how we're going to, how we get the things that we need to survive, you know? Right. For sure. Awesome. Well, we are running kind of long on time here. Um, we're at almost an hour 20. So, um, Ryan, if you just want to start with your plugs for your podcast and where people can learn more about you, and then we'll just start going down the line that we introduced ourselves in. All right. Well, uh, like I said, technoagorist.com, uh, all one word. That's where you can find my find my show online. But of course, it's available at every you know podcast 
thing, Apple and Google and Stitcher and and uh, Spotify for the the people who like that that music app. <laughs> and that's us. Awesome. But <laughs> yeah, apparently. But <laughs> and then also uh, for anyone interested, I just released a new application to the Android App Store, which I'll go ahead and plug here since I'm on here. Uh, it's called Rubric. What it is is it's a little a little application which uh, provides daily prayers and daily Bible readings. And it's a way to kind of work just, I don't know, little prayers on a regular basis throughout the day to kind of center yourself through, as you live your life and add little, I don't know, little Christian disciplines, little, little things to, to kind of anchor your life. So I think it's nifty. And it's a, it's a small part of a much bigger project my wife and I are working on. But yeah, for anyone who's interested, rubric on the on the Google Play Store. <laughs> right on. Well, who's next for plugs? Um, so again, I am Rocky Mountain Gorist on Instagram. Um, also find me on the Centennial High Points Instagram page. Um, if you guys ever want to talk with me, have discourse with me, please, please reach out. I'm always open to have a conversation. All right. I am November Whiskey. You can find me on Instagram at NovemberWhiskey.1776. And uh, Ryan, I just want to say it's not really a question, but uh, one of your quotes that really stuck out to me was, a life lived free is better than any protest and more dangerous than any bill. And uh, that just resonated a lot with me because <laughs> that's what I think like, we're all trying to do is just live free. And it's just, uh, like you said, it's much more effective than any protest or anything like that. Nice. So, Glad you like. Just wanted that. to throw that in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I am Boogalitch, and that's Boogalitch on Instagram as well, and on the Centennial High Points Instagram page as well. Uh, I'm Redsky. I do not have a meme page on Instagram, but you can definitely <laughs> find me on the Centennial High Points Instagram page. I'm Duval. I also don't have a you know a Boogaloo meme page, or anything, but you can find me on Centennial High Points. And I post there quite often. So, yeah. Sweet. Cut. Yeah.